Thank you, Mike. How's the level here? We good, Dave? Excellent. Um, for those of you who haven't taught up here before, it's our tradition that before the speaker speaks, uh, the usually the setup table comes around him and, and kind of prays him up before he um, gets up here. And uh, indeed, that happened for me today. And three words stuck in my head as I received the prayers of my brothers. Joy, desire, an example. And it was God's great joy to send his son to us, and we celebrate that at this time of year, and it's my joy to be up here talking to you about that today. It was God's desire that we be holy and that we not be separated from him anymore. And I have great desire. I love coming up here and speaking. It's something I desire to do. I'm glad to have the opportunity. God sent his son as an example of how we should model our lives. And I'm glad to have the example of you brothers um, who have poured into my life, uh, others who speak, those who volunteer here. I thank you very much for helping all of this come out. So today we're going to speak about Emmanuel. And uh, back when the base camp crew, we looked at the potential topics for this semester and we came upon the names of God, I thought that'd be, it'd be great if we could align it so that the Emmanuel message was right before Christmas. So we shuffled a couple of uh, chapters. We have a couple to come after that are still Old Testament names, but I think uh, it was a good idea to put this one now. As we're in the Christmas season, we, we're singing songs about Emmanuel to uh, study a little bit on this topic. I'm going to start off with a little bit of uh, meat, as Marty might say. Uh, strap in, drink, drink an extra slug of, slug of coffee, if you will. We're going to talk a little bit about old, some of the Old Testament prophe prophecies about Jesus. And there were many. Anybody remember from Sunday Marty's sermon how many? 426, 456, 476 uh, Old Testament prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. I'm not going through all of them. You'll be glad to know. But I will talk about a few. The throne of David shall be established forever, said Nathan in 2 Samuel. Out of Egypt I call my son from the book of Hosea and the prophet Hosea. Of course, Isaiah has several prof uh, prophecies about Jesus, the virgin birth, justice to the nations, and the names he will be called, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. Micah, as, as uh, Marty recovered or uh, recounted on Sunday, uh, the book from which we know where Jesus will come. He'll be born in Bethlehem. Not always the best of prophecies, the slaughter of the innocents. Uh, back in the book of Jeremiah, under the story of Rachel weeping for her children. All of these prophecies, and then one in the last book, I'm sorry, the last chapter of the last book of the Old Testament from Malachi. I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming day of the Lord. So Malachi reaches way back over 800 years of prophecy in the Old Testament to Elijah, way back almost to the very beginning, and, and says to Israel, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet. He will let, he'll know, through him you will know that the Lord is coming. And then they sort of fade away 
do they not? And then what happens? Four hundred years. And God's people don't hear from him. Now I was just quiet there for about 60 seconds, which if you know me is quite a feat. It's probably a little uncomfortable for you to listen to. We celebrate Advent for what, you know, 25-ish days in September. Four hundred years waiting for the Lord to speak again. Maybe you can imagine the home of, you know, Malachi, the little kids like, Mom, how many days till Christmas? I don't know, ask your father. Dad, how many days till Christmas? 146,000. It's a long time to wait. So what happens? We call this, uh, you know, in, or, uh, academically the intertestamental period. What happens during that time? Nothing, maybe? No, quite a bit is happening. I enjoyed the comments of one commentator I, I read talking about this as a period of resetting the stage. Act one is over. Act two is about to begin. In the meantime, the curtain closes and the uh, stagehands are moving some things around behind the scenes. For example, there's a shift of power from the east to the west, first to Greece, including great armies of Alexander the Great and others. The translation of the Old Testament into Greek, what we call the Septuagint. The defiling of the temple under Antiochus in 171 BC, where he sprayed uh, you know, defile blood and animal parts on every part of the temple, fulfilling Daniel's prophecy, not only that it would be defiled, but that it would be cleansed after 2,300 days, referred to again by Jesus in Matthew 24 as the abomination that causes desolation. And that's a near-term prophecy to be fulfilled again with the second coming. Then a further shift of power to the west, to Rome, in 63 BC, Pompey sacks Jerusalem and claims it for Rome. As a result, Herod the Great becomes king in Judea. Herod the Great, a descendant of Esau. And it, as, as is often the case, I consulted some of my uh, mentors on this uh, little fact of, of uh, Herod's lineage. You know, counsel not to make too much of it, but I always love when the Bible shows us a nice little piece of irony that, again, the son of Esau 
and the son of Jacob would meet over kingship. In this, in this instance, of course, it won't be decided through violence, but through peace and love as Jesus brings a crown to the throne of David. So, the stage is set. And we have our Advent. Now, I'm going to just go back a little bit. We talked about that last prophecy from the last chapter of the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi saying that a prophet would be sent with the power of Elijah. And we had the 400-year period. And then Gabriel, chapter 1 of Luke, speaks to Zechariah, tells him his wife, advanced in age, is going to have a baby. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the, to the wisdom of the righteous and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Speaking of John the Baptist, who would come to prepare the way for Jesus. So the Savior is coming. John the Baptist comes first. Is everybody ready for Act 2, right? And the angel of the Lord, now it doesn't say in Matthew that this is also Gabriel. There's another reference in Luke to Gabriel visiting Mary. But the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel, it's not a Greek word in the appearing most where we mostly see it in the New Testament. You go back into the Old Testament, you find it's a Hebrew word. Uh, Amon Uel, Emmanuel means God with us. We've seen El as God, and Amu is with us. So, one thing I learned in my research is many prophecies in the Old Testament have a near, both a near-term and a long-term fulfillment. The near-term fulfillment of this prophecy in Isaiah was that Isaiah's son was to be the child promised to be the sign of God's protection for the house of David. And in Matthew, God's son is the child promised to be the eternal ruler of the house of David. So who is going to be saved? Well, in Isaiah, in the near term, it was the tribe of Judah and the line of David. In Matthew, long term, it's his people both Gentile and Jew. We read from the pen of Paul in Ephesians. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by the Spirit. Prior to this reconciliation of Jesus with all people, you were either Jew or Goyim, unclean, unworthy, Gentile, not part of the promise of God. 
Jesus coming knits us all together. What are they saved from? Well, in Isaiah, the near-term fulfillment, they were saved from their enemies. It says Syrians, even other tribes of Israel, which were wanting Judah to uh, capitulate. Uh, King Ahaz, the seventh great, you say great seven times, then grandson of King David, is about to lose his throne, the throne of David leaving the house of Judah. And God provides the victory over those circumstances. In Matthew, the long-term victory, God provides over sin and death. Emmanuel fights for the line of David and fights still for the souls of men. How are they saved? Well, in Isaiah, quite simply, by protection from death, by protection from the armies of the Assyrians and others. In Matthew, <laughs> we are all saved by the defeat of the power of sin and death in our lives. Raise the war cry, you nations, and be shattered. Listen, all you distant lands. Prepare for battle and be shattered. Prepare for battle and be shattered. Devise your strategy, but it will be thwarted. Propose your plan, but it will not stand, for God is with us. This does not sound like a passive Emmanuel to me. This sounds like God fighting for his people, ready to shatter, ready to thwart the plans of the enemy. Protection from death is a great thing, and I believe that God cares about my circumstances and all our circumstances, but what he wants more is communion with me, a relationship with me. He wants me to be eternally with him. A greater victory. And he is not passive. So what do we need saving from? There is a laundry list. Buckets of things that we need saving from. I'll propose a few. That might apply to our country. They might apply to our church. They might apply to our families. They might apply to us individually. I can speak for myself a little bit. I probably, need I probably need saving from comfort, safety, and fulfillment. These things I tend to pursue, but they don't make me a stronger warrior for the Lord. They don't always help me reach out to other people and reach out to his people. Insulation. Do I surround myself with so much religiosity that I'm not really an effective ambassador? Have I insulated myself from the world? I hope not. Isolation. I think especially in this time of the pandemic when it's hard to get around, it can be hard to reach out to people. I'm sure there are those out there feeling more isolated and they need brothers and sisters to come alongside them. They need folks they can share with. They need Harry and Mike to go to Panera Bread with on a Tuesday morning and sit down and talk about some real stuff going on in our lives and hear the comforting, wor comforting words of a brother. You got this. Oh, you don't. <laughs> we got it. 
I need saving in general from those elements in my life which distract me or delude me into wondering if Emmanuel is true. Is God really with Jack today? So what about Emmanuel in my life? Have I felt God with me throughout my life? Not always. I was raised in sort of a nominal Christian home. We went to church. It's what we did, but it wasn't who we are. It wasn't who we were. I learned, I learned about religion growing up. Um, in college, uh, I was not a was not a priority for me. I had other priorities. Uh, we could go back to some of that comfort, safety, and fulfillment. Uh, throw in uh, physical pleasures. Throw in partying. These were my priorities. Did I feel God in my life at that time? Rarely. Did I feel far from God? Frequently. Was I far from God? No. He was there. I wasn't, but he was. In these times of my life, even it happens now. Sometimes I, I you know, I just have a week where there's, there's I, I don't feel connection. I kind of, you might wake up after s- uh, a week or some amount of time and think, have I thought about God this week? Have I, have I felt inspired this week? What is going on with me? But it's not because he's not there. Sometimes I think of God as this coat I put on. And then I, 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 I don't know, I leave it at a, on a chair somewhere and walk away and for a few days. And I forgot where I put it. Well, guess what? He's right behind me with it. All I need to do is turn around. And boy, on those, on those times when I, when I realize, when I become conscious that, hey, I, I'm not there. I turn around and I can meet him and I can see him. He's always got a smile on his face. I'm reminded of this bumper sticker I saw. America, bless God. I like that message. Not God bless America. He has. He's, uh, what more could he give us? We need to bless him. He is here. Are we? Are you? Are you there for him? Ready to accept what he's freely giving you? He is with you, period. A few discussion questions for you. Does Christmas time bring an extra measure of God with us to your heart? And do you feel it hard to sustain that or find it hard to sustain that feeling throughout the year? Do you sense God's hand thwarting the strategies of the enemy in your life? Or do you often feel them succeeding? How has COVID affected this, these feelings for you? Has it made it harder? Has it brought it closer? Boy, we have this wonderful group of guys on uh, on Zoom right now. We've been meeting daily since March, April. So I can't say that COVID has kept me from getting together with other men on a more regular basis. So I, these are questions to consider. I'll just close this in a word of prayer.
Father, I thank you for these men. I thank you for the honor to share with them your word. May this season rejuvenate us. May it reinforce in us the knowledge that you are with us. May that feeling be something we can carry with us throughout the year. And more importantly, be one that we can share with others. We thank you for sending your son to save us from our sins. And we thank you for being Emmanuel, God with us. Amen.